Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Before you get to the show, make sure you check out theringer.com for our extensive NBA playoff coverage leading up to the NBA Finals. Also look out for a 2019 NBA Draft Guide, which now features 50 of Kevin O'Connor's scouting reports. The Draft Guide has a first-round mock draft, big board rankings from our draft experts like Jonathan Charks and Danny Chow, and much more to come leading up to the draft itself on June 20th. Once again, check out The Ringer's 2019 NBA Draft Guide and all of our NBA coverage over on TheRinger.com. What's up, guys? It's your girl, WWE Superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE Superstar Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to The Masked Man Show. And you are listening to The Masked Man Show. And you're listening to The Masked Man Show. Welcome to the Masked Man Show. It's Money in the Bank week. Um, I know for some of you, it might be NBA playoffs week or, or conference finals week in the NBA. For some of you, it's probably Game of Thrones finale week. Um, some of you are probably sitting there rejoicing the fact that Taco Bell is opening a boutique hotel in California. I know I am. My, my, my household's very excited about that. Um, but for the purposes of this podcast, it's pro wrestling. We have the one and only... Peter Rosenberg, coming up later in the show. Um, but before we get to him, I'm going to go through Money in the Bank, discuss a couple of news bites, and uh, and make sure that we cover some of the bases, if not all of the bases. Um, what's the big news of this week? Well, the biggest thing that happened this week for wrestling nerds was that WWE, under some pressure from Conrad Thompson and uh, and... Starcast uh, has released the Bret Hart versus Tom McGee lost tape, the greatest lost wrestling match of all time. Um, a match that I've discussed on this podcast, or I know I've discussed Tom McGee a couple of times. Um, a supposedly, you know, just an incredible bout. Tom McGee was, for those who don't know, briefly considered to be the next Hulk Hogan in WW in the WWF. Vince McMahon saw the guy, was in love with the guy. And a lot of that love, well, a lot of that, some of that love certainly has to do with the fact that he looked like uh, a He-Man action figure. Not even a He-Man action figure brought to life. He just looked like a He-Man action figure. It, it was six foot four. And uh, he moved around like a gymnast. I mean, like, in a, he's one of those, one of those, you know, he's, he's, think of him as like a basket, an NBA prospect who, who has a really good workout against nobody and then gets taken in the top two. Like that's that's basically what Tom McGee was. He was in an empty gym, posting up against a chair, and uh, he was. And in, in, in that view, he was the the greatest wrestler who ever lived. When you put him in the ring, it was a little bit different. You know, his his moves didn't seem to have a lot of impact. There wasn't a lot of continuity when it, from one move to the next. He just didn't. You know, it, it was not Tom McGee's calling calling in life, and not his lifelong passion, and and. Um, he was very gifted in a lot of ways and probably could have been something. Probably could have been something. But aside from the look, the thing that made Vince McMahon fall in love with the guy was this match with Bret Hart. And it was a match where Bret, this is, you know, Bret Hart managed by Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, I think so part of the Hart Foundation. He made, he was the he was an incredible hand. 
And McGee, who had trained in the dungeon with, with Stu Hart, uh, so there was some background there. And Brett just, according to the documentary, said, what, mo- what, are your, what are your three best moves or whatever? And he just made him look like a million bucks and um, got, made the guy a lot of money. Uh, got him signed right after that. And, and this, they finally released the match. It was fantastic. I, I got to give all the credit in the world to WWE because this was just a really, really good little mini documentary. They did it really well. Really enjoyed, I think, the best possible usages of uh, Cassius Ono, a.k.a. Chris Hero, friend of the podcast, an incredible dude, and finally getting his run as the wrestling nerd that he is. Um, he did fantastic work in that. X-Pac was just like um, like so great as, a, as an interview source. Sam Roberts, I mean, again, another friend of the pod who is a uh, old-school wrestling nerd and tape trainer, a uh, tape trader, um, was a good source for this. Harry Smith and Tyson Kidd were in there, you know, because obviously their relationship to the Hart family, both of them were really good. And uh, Harry Smith also wearing an incredible, or sorry, Davey Boy Smith Jr., as he's known, but uh, wearing an incredible, like, beaded necklace and wild shirt. It was a really, really, really great heat check for him. Um, and then, of course, Bret Hart, and then they brought out Tom McGee, who was just sort of blissed out and perplexed by the whole thing. And it was amazing. I mean, just amazing. Go back and watch it. Most of the matches in there, I think. And, and, uh, the interviews are great. I I could not imagine being more, um, I I can't imagine. I I could not imagine. I would not have believed that would have, they would have put it over like they did and sort of the way that it came together. I thought was just really amazing. Um, all of that said, of course, they were planning on debuting this match once it was found at StarCast, and WWE kind of, you know, C-blocked them, I guess, uh, by doing it this way. But it's cool. They're still going to have a big event and big panel about it, I think, with with McGee and Brett both there at StarCast, and that, that'll be really fun to, to have them watch the match and talk about it and stuff. Um, and, you know, this is just like what we're going to talk about with the, going forward with all elite wrestling and stuff. That, that This is not... StarCast is, is not wrestling competition but it is like intellectual competition and it if it, if it's pushing WWE to do cool stuff like this then yay you know that's a that's a that's a real absolute net positive um so yeah everybody go and watch that stuff uh we'll talk to Peter a little bit later about this Vince McMahon interview in variety but if you haven't read that read it it's uh it's you know part of now the Vince McMahon oeuvre he doesn't do interviews that that often at least not with this sort of access so um you know that's uh, that that's definitely cool to do. Um, All Elite is officially on the TNT network now. After Upfronts, the All Elite crew was there, just taking pictures with everybody else who was there for TNT, and 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 uh, they really seem to be part of the family. TNT is very excited about this new wrestling uh prop the new wrestling property that they have, and um, yeah, I mean, listen there were a lot of rumors that they were going to end up on a Turner network. I mean, this is kind of what we were all theorizing and then it all quieted down so they can make this big announcement. And but I think sort of the, the intermediate intermediate time when we didn't know exactly what was happening and no announcements were being made. There are only promises of announcements to come. It sort of, it sort of dampened the whole, the whole, the excitement for the whole thing. And now that it's finally announced, it sort of feels like a letdown because it's a thing that we had heard of long ago, but it's not, this is huge. This is really, really major news and we should all be very, very excited. Um, it remains to be seen what the, what the thing, what it's going to look like, you know, what the format's going to be, how much they're going to rely on pre-taped video and stuff, because that's clearly what they're best at. I mean, everything from the, we've talked about on the show from the, 
gold. I mean, from the Dustin uh, Runnels promo to the Cody promos to the the being the elite, <clears throat> everything that they do is so good. Um, but you know, on live television or on weekly television, that will lose a little bit of its impact. You know, I mean, you can't just have promo packages the whole way through. You got to have matches. You got to have, you know, vitality. You got to have interest. I mean, it. Um, WWE does not make the most use of the being live television as they could. Um, certainly, there's the the more kind of refined and and um, the more of a machine the companies become over the years, the less the more it's lost some of that kineticism of the Attitude Era. And you know, I'll talk about growing up watching Jerry Lawler on Memphis TV way too much, but um, you know, there was an element to just like having a camera turned on with minimal cuts and just watching Jerry Lawler kind of saunter into a TV studio with a concrete floor in front of like a $50 backdrop and just start talking to Lance Russell. And then all of a sudden out comes superstar Bill Dundee or Dutch Mantel or whoever. And they're just like, hey, dude, like I have a bone to pick with you. And then they just start jawing again, like seemingly unedited on TV. And that had a that had a life, a vigor that like it's really hard to reproduce. And uh, or maybe it's not, but it's something we just don't see on TV that much anymore. So maybe AEW will have some of that. Obviously, the stuff they've done so far is different enough from WWE that you're excited that they will find new ways to tell stories because that's what's really important. And that's a little ways off. Um, we have Double or Nothing coming up, and then we'll then we'll start talking about TV production in earnest. I guess um, we'll see what we can find out from the folks over at AEW. But that's something to be very excited about. Um, other news updates I don't think we have any specific news on Sasha Banks or who else has asked for their release uh, Luke Harper no news there oh well this is a kind of minor one but I mean it, for a WWE centric podcast but uh, but um, Killer Cross from TNA has requested his release I think less than a year a year after or for, I'm sorry did I say TNA Impact Wrestling um, at, he's requested his release less than a year, I think, after signing a long-term contract, um, which seems sort of like a he signed the deal before he realized that the wrestling world was about to explode with opportunities, and now he he's feeling underpaid and wants out. And they those those impact contracts can be pretty can be they're not they're not all great contracts. I mean, who knows what he signed, but. You know, it's a there's per appearance stuff instead of just like set salary, you know, like, you know, set, yeah, set salaries. And, you know, you could see why one would would want out, even though the the product has been pretty good. Uh, and, and they've given him the platform to even be able to ask for a release and have anyone care. Um, I like Killer Cross. Uh, I would love to see him uh, in AEW. I'd love to see him in NXT. Uh, nobody listens to my podcast that cares, but like, you know, that's probably why they're not going to let him out of his contract um, because they know that he does have other opportunities and they know that he's good. You know, I mean, there's still a viable wrestling company that wants to put out wrestling matches. And um, yeah, anyway, he did sign a multi-year deal last year, apparently. And uh, I think they're trying to, they said they're making a good faith effort to sort of give him a raise and everything else, but I think he just wants to go. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to, to, to see what happens with him. He's not a super young guy, probably doesn't have a huge career that's going to happen after the contract is over. So it's interesting. It's an interesting point of comparison to, you know, like Luke Harper, who, you know, obviously the, the issue with Luke Harper is that he's going to get 
you know, he he wants to wrestle. And if WWE were giving him an opportunity to be on TV and stuff, then he would probably be less unhappy and, and may not be asking for a release. They're basically like paying him to sit at home. Killer Cross is gonna gets to work, you know, and he can I know work some indie dates and stuff within with an impact contract. And um, I think part of what's happening, what we're gonna see is that a lot of people sign these, and you saw it with Lucha Underground too. A lot of people sign these contracts. If you know you're not going to WWE, then it feels okay to sign a contract with one of these second-tier companies because you can still work your indie dates, even though they're not paying you like a massive salary just straight off the top. You know, they'll you get a steady stream of income and then you get you know, you can work some indie shows and, and, it, and it adds up to a whole lot. Well, now there's still a huge, a huge and vibrant indie wrestling marketplace, but now All Elite is sort of taking on a lot of that, I mean, taking up a lot of that airspace. And obviously with All Elite, Ring of Honor making a push, Impact Wrestling, New Japan's increasing, you know, encroachment in the States or in North America. Um. Yeah, it's not it, it, those deals that people signed even a year ago are not the same. Don't have the same sort of uh, you know glow to them that they that they might have then. So you know, people are in people are in an interesting spot. That said, we you know rant a lot about independent contractors and how you know wrestlers should deserve better and everything else. But you know, if you sign a contract, um, you know, it would be nice if it would be nice. I think from a moral perspective, if you let somebody leave instead of paying them to do nothing, if that's what they want to do. Um, and you know, some of these contractual terms that we that you t- you hear about aren't aren't really don't necessarily stand up to scrutiny. But um, but you know, Killer Cross is one of these. It's sort of a sad situation where you can see. You I mean it's you can totally see the company side. You know, he signed a deal. They want them there, so what's the, what's the problem? Um, anyway, uh, we'll see how that shakes out. I I just have a I just really like <laughs> Killer Cross, so I really care about it. And also with all these conversations about contracts and releases and everything else, we're entering a very weird world, a very weird era in wrestling. It's the contractual contractual era of pro wrestling, at least for the next little bit. It's going to be interesting to see where that goes. Um, kudos to the revival, who seem to be having a good time with the whole thing. But yeah, that'll be a it, it's it sucks if to, it sucks to be in a place you're not happy. I think we can all we can all agree with that. Now, I'm going to close. The, I, w- I want to go through the money in the bank card, but before I do that, um, we're going to place a call to my dear dear friend Peter, the million dollar man, Peter Rosenberg. And uh, let's see, Evan, can we get him on the line right now? And returning the phone call that I got last week, my dear friend Peter Rosenberg. How you doing, man? I am pretty good, maker of fine footwear. How are you? Good. Uh, I heard, I heard uh, you had a lot of fun during the draft uh, draft lottery this week. Oh, what a wacky. Everything's wacky. You never know. I'm on my way <laughs> to go do the Michael K show on 98.7, but I may just show up and do Mike Francesa's show. <laughs> wow, a lot of Mike, Mike Francesa going on in my life today. Uh, none of that's interesting for people listening to this. What is interesting is this Sunday, um, when most of the world will be watching... Yeah, <laughs> the Game of Thrones finale. Uh, we're luckily, doing, right? That, that's clearly what we're here to discuss. We're going to decide which which cast member of Game of Thrones is most likely to walk away with the Money in the Bank briefcase on Sunday. Um, <laughs> it's so apropos. Wait, can I just say is. one thing about Game of Thrones that I realized is such a wrestling thing? Please. Number one, that you realize this angry Game of Thrones crowd who's upset about Daenerys doesn't understand what a heel turn is. 
Um, and number <laughs> two, and this is the, this is deep and could get me in some trouble among the intellectuals, um, particularly to places as smart as the ringer. But I believe that a lot of the people writing about the political ramifications of Daenerys and making it like a really big gender issue, I believe the proper term here would be, you're getting worked, bro. <laughs> I'm glad after all the after all the times that we used, we use heel turn on the ringer.com to describe what happened. I'm glad that there's a, a wrestling response to that too. I think you're right. It's uh yeah, people are very angry because like the the character they loved did not turn out to be what they wanted. So we have to find all the reasons culturally that it's wrong. But really, yeah. you're getting worked, bro. Listen. I mean, wrestling fans in this instance have it right. I think that I think it would be appropriate to be upset. It's appropriate to be upset that the that the Night King is getting buried, right? The Night King was built up. He was one of the he was one of our favorite wrestlers and one of our favorite f- favorite characters. Well and uh, and that he that his he's just not being used in the main event. Now that's that's a letdown. That but but listen, no wrestling fan got mad when Daniel Bryan turned heel because they loved him so much. We can still love him even when he's a heel. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. I, that, Save your anger for the one. night, King. Okay. All right, let's go. Let's talk about the real Money in the Bank that's going on Sunday. I just want to run through the uh, the Money in the Bank matches. I'm just going to name these people, and I want you to tell me who you think is going to win, but also who has the most long-term upside for the company, because really that's what Money in the Bank is all about, all right? Um, we know on on Monday night, uh, Sami Zayn stole or, or won... Um, Braun Strowman slot, which is uh, maybe interesting for backstage reasons, who knows? But in the men's Money in the Bank match, we have Sami Zayn, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, the unkillable Baron Corbin, uh, Ali, Finn Balor, Andrade, and Mr. Randall Orton. Who of that crew do you think has the best chance of winning? Who, who, are, who are you keeping an eye on? And, and who do you think that the real, the real future of WWE is in that match? I actually think Sami Zayn. Um, I think that based on everything that's happened the last couple of weeks, which is probably among the least that I could say about a couple of week period leading up to a pay-per-view in a while, um, I would say Sami Zayn presents the most intrigue um, because over the last several weeks of which there has been just rampant complaining and I, I include myself amongst that uh, crowd for once um he's been the most interesting and he's the perfect person to have a briefcase because as a character he's mad um he's in in his eyes justifiably mad but he doesn't have the strength to earn a title shot really on his own and to me those are the people best suited for a briefcase. That's that's where the briefcase does best, not on someone who could really earn it on any given night in a wrestling match. So I like Sami Zayn. I could, I always say that, that the, one of the conditions for me is if I can imagine someone carrying the briefcase around for a year if it goes that long. I could definitely see heel Sami Zayn like riding to the ring with a briefcase like a pony. Like it, like I could, he could, he could definitely do some stuff with that. And I like that argument too. I think it's really good. Uh, seen yeah, a little... It would just be interesting. I don't know who, how many of those people. There's only a couple of those that are really ones you can picture being interesting with the briefcase. 
I will say that, you know, I mean, you can't write off Drew McIntyre or Baron Corbin. They both seem to be beloved, uh, especially Corbin, but, you know, beloved in, in very, you know, old school kind of ways. Andrade has been getting quite a big look over the past couple of weeks. And Ricochet has been has fallen by the wayside a little bit since the uh, since the shakeup. But he had that big moment holding the briefcase on SmackDown. What do you think about Andrade and Ricochet and their future in WWE? Well, I think they're both very bright. I don't think Ricochet needs a briefcase right now for excitement. Um, he, they obviously seem to feel that Ricochet alone, just in the ring, sort of carries himself. Andrade, you could see it making sense, and you could see Selena carrying the briefcase. like that. That is something I could imagine, particularly considering how reportedly high they are on him. So I would say those would be the next... I would say Andrade would be the next most likely. I do not see Ricochet with the briefcase. I just... I don't think it's needed. I don't think he's at a place where they see him as in line to get a title, uh, that title, certainly. Um, but Andrade, I'd say, is second for most compelling. And what do you think? What's your general feelings about Baron Corbin right now? Do you or do you have the same uh, hatred for him that a lot of the fans do, or do you do you think that's a? Do you, I mean, do you think that he's that he works as a uh, as a heel in in twenty nineteen? Oh, Corbin, by the way, Corbin's also on that. He would be right there with Andrade in second spot. Um, I do think he works. Um, I do think he actually has real heat. Uh, and people really, truly dislike him. And I don't think it's like, it's because he's a bad wrestler. I just want to turn off the TV. I think there are plenty of reasons that people might have these days to want to turn off the TV. I don't think that it's Baron Corbin. Um, I am biased because I like him. I, I really do like him personally. He is just a nice dude, uh, a caring sort of aware guy. Um, so I admit I probably don't have the same disdain for him that other people do. But I do on camera, like he does piss me off and make me angry. <laughs> and I think that's good. I, I don't think that's because he's talentless. Um, I'm glad they've kind of, you know, he's kind of the rare example these days of someone they're fighting for and trying to really give a shot, even though at first the first iteration didn't work. Um, I don't love someone wrestling in slacks permanently, but um, that's just a preference. So, no, I, I think the over-the-top hatred of Corbin is like, oh, he sucks, he's just terrible. I think that's probably another example if you're getting work for us. Yeah, I think so, too. Let's jump over to the women's match because i got to get your take here, too. I'll, I'll just name the names. We have Natalia, Dana Brooke, Naomi, Bailey, Mandy Rose, Ember Moon, Carmella, and uh, a TBA slot. Of the, of the w- people besides the TBA... Uh, who who of those do you think is who's your pick for the for the Money in the Bank winner? That's a that you know that's a really tough one because I know there's not the, the only the only name that you know definitively they see a big immediate future in I think is Mandy Rose. So I, it's hard for me to picture her winning that match. Although you know Alexa Bliss really did a great job. Hey, wait, isn't Bliss in it too? Yeah, I'm guessing she's the TBA that they have there. I'm a little bit caught off guard by that, but wait. Um, well, but she she had announced herself in it two weeks ago. Did they pull her out? She was removed one hour ago from the Money in the Bank match. Oh, oh, okay. That's this is breaking news been- as we're recording this. Um, 
because Bliss is injured, it says. That's according to WWE.com. No, no word on her injury, but that's all they're saying. She's not medically cleared to compete in Money in the Bank. Wow, and they couldn't figure that out yesterday to do it on TV. Yeah, that this must be I, like I real. Love, I love when major story things are not able to be broken on the five hours of television that happen. But I mean, <laughs> schedule-wise, you never know with something like that. But um, I would have put Bliss at the top of the heap there. But um, Mandy Rose is the only other person I see them really being currently excited about. I mean, Dana Brooke had like an odd little push for a second, but I don't see that happening. And then, you know, Natty sort of continues to be a fail-safe for them. Um, and I do think from a wrestling standpoint, getting Natty and Becky Lynch at some point would be really cool. Um, however, that moment of her sitting on the ladder, holding the briefcase, would that have any impact? You know, that's supposed to be a moment and I don't know that that would be a big moment. So I guess Mandy Rose, I, I, I'm not quite sure. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think that they could they could easily get. I mean, Sonya Deville, even though it's she's she's on the SmackDown side, could fill that slot pretty easily, and they could make the story about Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Um, I'd say you never write off Naomi, uh, never write off Bailey, especially if they want to sort of you know prove a backhanded point to Sasha Banks. Um, you know, Carmella is in that maybe territory too. I would say Ember Moon, except for the fact that she's been pretty invisible. I mean, she would be a good candidate. I think you're right. I would probably lean toward Ember Moon for lack of a more specific, you know, more more viable candidate. It's pretty crazy though that you have, you know, this is the this is a big moment for women's wrestling to have, you know, we haven't been doing the women's money in the bank for that long, but we have two women's title matches which takes three of them out. Then we have the newly named Kabuki Warriors who should be two of the top women on the entire roster who are now sort of over in this on the in the tag division. Um so it does the the money in the bank match itself feels a little bit thin, but you know, in some ways that's good because you end up with people like Natalia and Dana Brooke who can really make a match go, you know, in a way that that you know it is they have a sort of unique skill set. Um, so yeah, it'll it'll be you know, and 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 those injuries too don't help. Um, before you have to get out of here, let's just touch on the two on the three big ba- title matches. Bailey Bailey is a good Bailey is a good thought also by the way. Just Bailey having a briefcase. If they're interested in pushing her, you know, I thought she was going to get the win a few weeks ago against Charlotte and sort of be reinvigorated um, Mm -hmm. because she needs something. Um, And her as the underdog with the briefcase um, could be fun also. That's a good call. Sorry, keep going. Um, We talked about the title matches. Becky Lynch is fighting twice. Lacey Evans for the Raw belt and Charlotte for the SmackDown belt. Um, how, do you have any, any theories about how that might play out? Do you think we're going to get two proper matches or we're going to have a schmozzy match between those two? What do you, what do you think is going to happen? You know, I think, I think she does have a sort of proper match in both. It's hard to, it's hard for me to see which one could get schmozzy. I will lose my mind if one of them ends up, um, being pulled apart by police officers and security guards. I I cannot have (laughs) any more of that. Um, I, I, I'm amazed that they've done that so many times within the women's division over the last couple of months. It's just like, I, I, it's so, that was so something that was supposed to be spread out for like the, the craziest of circumstances. And it happened between Lacey and Becky when they'd been feuding for like two weeks. <laughs> um, but I guess it really depends on what the point of unifying the titles was, you know? If there was a point to it, 
then I would think Becky continues to hold with both. But if they instantly were like, all right, it was just for that moment, we don't want it, then you think she retains against Lacey and gives the title back to Charlotte. Yeah, that's where I'm leaning because I don't, I mean, they, they, they've kind of gone out of their way to not say unified, right? Even though that's, you know, technically what happened, I guess. But I mean, and, and, and I, I, my guess is, despite the Becky Two Belts t-shirts, I'm sure selling really well and the champ champ stuff, I, you know, that's where I would lean. But, but, I, but I could also see them running with Becky for a while. We know that they care about Becky. We know they're invested in Becky, if for no other reason than because WWE, WWE's YouTube channel broke, formally broke the news that she and Seth Rollins are in a relationship, which is uh, surprising because they, that kind of thing doesn't usually happen. And also because, you know, the history of relationships in in the pro wrestling world uh, would lead one to believe that that's a very risky um, thing to go public with. <laughs> uh, not no, That's not refle- no reflection on those two people as human beings, but, you know, that kind of stuff goes. Um her so speaking of her bow, uh, I'm not talking about Bo Dallas. Seth Rollins, Universal Champion, is taking on AJ Styles. Do you think what 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 do you think? Do you think do you think there's any way AJ can pull it off? And if not, how long do you think Seth Rollins is going to be our champ? I don't think there's any chance he gives it up here. Um, I would think that would be very odd. Um, and I, my my thought is we're looking at Seth. I think we're looking at Seth for a little while. That's that's sort of what I that was sort of what I imagined was this was going to be a bit of a run for Seth. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would surprise me if we already got to an end, particularly with a storyline that doesn't have a ton of meat to it. Yeah, um, it's one of these just like they're both really good wrestlers; they must battle. Um, so I, I don't see this being the time that we, that we, that we see a title change. I think, I think he does have this for a while. Yeah. I mean, I kind of like the way that they've built this up and let AJ play heel a little bit. I, my, my, my feeling is that, I mean, there's a real life storyline here, which is that AJ Styles, like his very existence on raw is the biggest threat to Seth Rollins championship reign. Right. I mean, you could imagine a world in which Roman Reigns was, uh, you know, spent six months or nine months just kind of avoiding the title or, you know, just doing other main event stuff that didn't involve Seth Rollins and then kind of building to something later on. But AJ is a, you know, he's a championship competitor. And now Roman Reigns is still on Raw because of the superstar shakeup. He's functionally there all the time. I think that, uh, I think that it'll be difficult to, to leave the belt on Seth and keep everybody else fully relevant. Um, but I guess we'll see how that goes. The other, the other, uh, Championship match, the WWE Championship match, Kofi Kingston versus Kevin Owens. Um, what do you think about that one? Do you think you think we're going to see Kofi with the belt for a while too? I, I would imagine so. I mean, you know, they just announced his return to Ghana. Like, hard to picture that happening without a title. Um, I I just really don't see a world in which you build for that long. You have the thing that's clearly the most fan satisfying thing going on in the company and have a returning Kevin Owens with no major incentive besides, you know, just the, besides just the general, um, I'm a bad guy. I want the title. I don't see that as enough reason to, to have Kofi lose this title reign, which was, which is an important one for real life 
for real life and storyline purposes. It's an important title run. Yeah. So that would surprise me. Did you did you think it was do you think it was a questionable decision by WWE when they announced that Kofi was going to Ghana to promote it with the the t-shirt with Hulk Hogan that says what you gonna do, brother? Did you did did you think that was weird? That didn't actually happen, did it? No, it didn't actually happen. <laughs> um, uh yeah. Um What you gonna do is phenomenal. <laughs> I would buy that shirt right now. That guy Greg would burn it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Well, I'm still waiting for someone to do the do the uh, NWO logo shirt, except it's NWORD, and no one no one's ever pulled that off. So I guess there's some lines we just don't cross <laughs> in the wrestling world. Are you are you about to get out of the car? Do you have a few more minutes? What you, what are you doing? I have. Hold on. Yes, I have a couple. I have a couple minutes. All right. Well, let's touch on some. Let's touch on some stuff. What do you think about Bray Wyatt's new 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 gimmick and his weird Joker clown mask? I, I was sort of I was into the gimmick more before the Joker clown mask, um, only because the way we're describing it is the Joker clown mask. That inherently to me is sort of you know, I know that all of this stuff is like a play on something else. That one just feels a little too close to me. It's they've been cool vignettes, and I, I'm not mad at them, but I will be much more interested when I see how it plays out with him standing in the ring in an arena, um, not on a set. Like, it's hard for me to judge what this feels like when it's simply, like, I loved the initial vignette that showed nothing. I liked it a little bit less when we saw like his Mr. Rogers thing. And then I liked it a little bit less when it was the Joker thing. Um, in, in some ways it makes a lot of sense. It's very Bray 2.0 to be that way. Um, but I'm just curious how it actually plays out. Yeah, I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful because I I love Bray Wyatt. I love uh, you know my interactions with him as a human being have been great. But as a character, he's he's just amazing. Everybody seems to really like the guy, or most people do. And 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 he could be so valuable to the roster if they can just find a way to get him, you know, in a relevant role for for some length for you know for some length of time. I think you know I just I I really hope I really hope that it works out. Um. Let's see what else we got. Uh, did you watch the Bret Hart versus Tom McGee documentary they had on the on dot com? I mean, on the network. No, no, I, I read the very nerdy article about it, which even for my Bret Hart standards was whoa. But I did that, not. How was it? It was fantastic. You got to go back and watch it. Just a great piece of content. I mean, great interviews with Bret and with McGee and and yeah, I mean, and, and everybody. There's uh, we'll 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 talk more about it on the show, but but there's but yeah, it was it was definitely worth checking out. Um. Oh, here's uh, shout out to dot com. Uh, underrated for the little pieces of content they do. They do yeah. a really great job. Um, here's a good one. Undertaker and Goldberg are fighting in Saudi Arabia on a scale of one to a million. How excited for this are you? Is this announced? Yeah. On TV. Uh, it's on WWE.com. Yeah, Undertaker and Goldberg to clash for the first time ever at WWE Super Showdown in the King Abdullah Sports City Stadium. On June seventh. Wow, that is a risky proposition, boy. <laughs> you are putting the you are putting the the brittle bones of a legend in the hands in the brittle hands <laughs> of a man who is not known for being the safest worker of all time, even in his prime. Yeah. Um, I, I I guess that ends 
quickly with a spear or something. But I mean, can you picture a a, a, a tombstone there? I, I don't know that I see that happening. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I think I think we might see a tombstone, but that could be one that ends with a choke slam after thirty seconds. You know, that could be that 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 could be a that could be a weird one. What they really should do is just make it a three way match, put AJ Styles in the match, and let him bump off of those guys for fifteen minutes or something. But that, that, yeah, by the way, that is so that is so well said. It's so true. If they could, if they could put in someone else who could like just oh, and at a last minute addition, Leo Rush. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like they they just need that like that is that that's tough and i'm i'm currently still traumatized from the thug rose fight on saturday when i really thought that my favorite oh, mma God. fighter broke her neck so i'm still a little i'm still a little traumatized as we speak yeah yeah that kind of stuff is hard to watch um and and totally i totally agree about thug rose um so yeah i mean <sighs> we got a big day on Sunday coming up. It's going to be fun to watch Money in the Bank. It's always a big thing. It would be nice if they had managed to space it out from Game of Thrones a little bit, just for my, you know, personal, emotional, and 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 uh, well-being and my family's uh, desire to see me on a semi-regular basis. That that would that would be better. Um, well, also, also, you just have to be realistic. With the number that Game of Thrones is getting right now, this will be one of the lowest live watch pay-per-views they've ever had, I would say. Yeah, well, thankfully they don't really have to come out with those numbers as much, or they, you know, that's not as big a deal as the ratings for them. But they'll 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 get a lot of people watching it eventually. I think you're right about live though; it'll be really it, yeah, it'll yeah. Be really people people go. will get to it. People will get to it. It's just it that's you know it, you can't. It's really hard to not watch this Game of Thrones live at the level of cultural zeitgeist it is. It's so hard to not watch it live. It's considerably harder than it is a WWE pay per view at this point um, in terms of just the vast the vastness of the audience. So that is a, a tough spot, um, especially for a card that they now consider like the fifth major. Um, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's a billion, I mean, there's there's 11 matches on the card. Two of them are pre-show, I guess. But not, I mean, it's going to be a, 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 a busy card anyway. I think you're going to, you know, if you, if you were privy to all the network data, I think you'd probably see a lot of people who were fast-forwarding around to the ladder matches and the big spots and the title matches and, and uh, you know, skipping some of the other stuff, um, even on their on their first watch. But but yeah, it's a it's tough. Did you see that Vince McMahon did that giant variety interview this week? When he basically, I mean, more or less a takeout in response to John Oliver and to the sinking ratings of Raw and SmackDown. Well, so what? Would, no, what was his reasoning? I mean, basically, he was like, "We're it's we're fine. Everything's fine." And and, and there was a lot of it was just a profile, you know, and a and a kind of a look inside the company and how they got their big TV deals and everything else. Um, but you know, I think the real, con- I mean, the real concrete stuff that came out of it is that you know, it seems like they're locked in on their Fox and and Universal and NBC Universal deals, um, USA Network deals. That you know, I think they don't need to. I don't think they're in any risk of. I mean, there, there's no risk of losing money. They're almost entirely bulletproof when it comes to economic downturns or, or bad rating, you know, bad commercial sales. And they're probably, and it looks like they're they're you know guaranteed the time slots too. I don't, I don't, I think I, it doesn't look like you know Fox can just move them to FS1 because they're doing badly. So I think that, you know, in some sense, they're going to be they're going to be set for the next couple of years. But but yeah, it's a it, it was it was an inter- it was interesting timing, if nothing else, and well worth a read. There's a lot of good stuff in there. I mean, it's a very very good profile. It was it seemed like all well, things. It's, it's, it's particular particularly interesting being in Variety, given the news of AEW for the week. 
Um, you know, I'm just, I'm so curious to know how much they actually care. Um, you know, it, AEW obviously does not have the roster that no matter what anyone says, and, and they have some really awesome people, it's obviously not instantly WCW. And that is a, probably something that's said too often. Like, oh, here we go. It's TNT. So it is inherently WCW again. However, with, with, a few, with a few things falling the right way, and it's just like the timing is insane. Because when was the last time when the numbers have never been this low? So when you have, it just couldn't have worked out any better from an AEW standpoint where they come on the scene as somehow WWE, who appears to never be losing momentum at this moment, appears to be losing momentum. Yeah. I mean, you know... you don't have to twist yourself in too many knots to think that this could be a good thing for WWE in terms of just competition and, and you know, raising interest in the, in the you know, pro wrestling genre in general. But I think you're right. I mean, I think AEW has to see this as an opportunity and has to see that with all of the sort of the hype that, if, if not direct, you know, TV ratings or anything, all the hype that things like New Japan and, and you know, their previous stuff, they're, you know, all in and, and, and even, you know, Lucha Underground, you know, the popularity of that within the wrestling community and stuff like that. I mean, you got, this is, this is sort of the opportunity for, for finally for all that to break out. And, and, uh, yeah, it could be, it, it could be a really big deal. It could be really big for the, for the industry. And, and I think you're right because of the ratings, because of everything that's going on, I certainly feel, and maybe just because of upfronts and the, and the big announcement with TNT, I feel more hopeful about AEW's chances than I did a month ago. Well, yeah, and you certainly feel more hopeful about it than you did about TNA, Ring of Honor, um, or any of the other, uh, New Japan, anything else we've seen on TV. Um, there's just, there just appears to be more of a chance. It's just going to be about the amount of talent they end up getting and how good their storytelling is. And does the product actually look like something so much of wrestling is just like, how credible does the product look? Yep. You know, that was always something that hurt TNA is just how it looked when you saw it. It just didn't look up to snuff. Um, so it's, it's a very, it is a very interesting time. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, you know, I've said it to you many times, but I think that the, I mean, I, TNA is actually really interesting right now. And and I think it's probably worth diving into more depth, but I think that the, in some ways they've been sort of sandbagging, um, the wrestling industry for a little while because they've been holding this nominal spot as the number two promotion for years, even though they're not actually, you know, since they made the go with Hogan and Bischoff, they haven't really been a threat in any real sense of the word. I mean, far from it. And um, it's not, I mean, one really, I think, positive thing for the industry about AEW is that they they're, they're, they immediately sort of jump into that number two slot. I mean, you can say what you want about New Japan or, you know, something else, but but that's, that they're on... National American television, you know, they're on a, on a cable. Network no, no, no. And- yeah. On a network that we have history with. I couldn't agree more. They are instantly number two, the second they go on the air. So it'll be really interesting to see what they do. Well, listen, man, I'm going to let you go. I know you have important real sports things to cover. What are you, what are you talking about today on the Michael K show? Uh, the New York jets being a disaster. Hope yeah. the Knicks. And, um, I'm at Yankee stadium. There's a CC Sabathia celebrity game today. And, <laughs> um, that I am like playing in and hosting. Um, cause I'm a huge, huge celebrity and, um, wow. that's it. But New York sports is crazy right now. I'd still rather be talking about not real sports, but it's cool. I'll suffer through it. 
Are you are you at all worried about any kind of injury you might suffer in today's game? I know your history with celebrity games isn't that great. Oh no, I I only now will take one at bat and then check myself out. There's no more fielding for me. Oh okay, well that's probably wise. Um, that's and if and if and if anybody wants a good laugh, just go on Google and type in the words "no apology for Peter Rosenberg" and you will see <laughs> my interview with that guy Greg on Fox in New York when I injured my shoulder in a celebrity game. It's truly the best moment of my entertainment and career, in my humble opinion. Oh man, I can't believe you're not still wearing the sling. I mean, that was the really, that was really a missed opportunity. You could have <laughs> I, been I know, the Bob. I, I was the cowboy Bob Orton of podcasting. I know. You had the Bobby Heenan jacket on the network. If you had just had the Bobby Heenan neck brace, you could have done, I mean, just for, if you had made that your, your personal staple. Yeah. You really could have done something with that, man. I know. Well, another thing lost. <laughs> Stay mage, everyone, and check out GP when you get a chance. Yeah, do that. I will. Uh, I'll talk to you soon, Peter. Have a good time today, man. Later, buddy. Bye. Thanks for coming on. Bye. Thank you to Peter Rosenberg, the happiest man in professional sports broadcasting. Um, we talked some about Money in the Bank match. I want to go through my official picks right now. Um, I'm going to run down this card real quick. For everybody listening is wondering, my Hill producer Jim is in Alaska. Alaska of all places right now. Um, so the inimitable Evan Campbell is sitting in on the ones and the twos, although he made sure to make it clear he's never watched professional wrestling when we started the podcast. So um, I'm not even going to ask him to try to contribute. Um, actually, no, can I take that back? Evan, can you get on the microphone? Evan, are you there? Yeah, I'm there. What's up? I need, I'm going to ask you a favor. Since Jim's not here, since I'm sitting here alone in the studio, we're going to run through the Money in the Bank card. I'm just going to I'm going to tell you the matches and based on absolutely nothing I'm going to have you pick a winner. Perfect. All right? As long as you give me the two people in the match, I can do yes. that. <laughs> uh, absolutely I will do that. Okay, ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right, first pre-show match. Singles match for the Cruiserweight Championship. That's the lighter weight guys. Tony Nice, who's the champion, versus Aria Davari. Um I'm going to have to go with Aria just because I know that name from Game of Thrones, and she killed the Night King. So it seems like she has a good chance at winning this match. Yes. Spelled a little bit differently, but I think that's a really good pick. I'm going to go with Tony Nese because um, uh, I don't, you know, champion champion gets the benefit of the doubt. All right, next pre-show match. Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus the Usos. I think this is for the SmackDown Tag Team cha- No, no, no. It's maybe not for the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Uh, but Brian and, and Rowan are your SmackDown Champions. They're fighting the Usos, who were former champions. Are they brothers? Jimmy and Jay Uso, yeah. They're cousins of Roman Reigns and The Rock and everybody else. All right, the Usos get my pick here just because they have a brother connection that I feel like would maybe be stronger than friendship. Um, I think that's a really valid point. Uh uh, I'm torn on this one, but I'm going to go with, yeah, I'm going to go since the pre-show match, I'm going to go with the Usos winning, um, or maybe winning by disqualifications. They don't get the belts. Just sort of feel good moment for the fans before mm. the real show starts. Um, so I'm with you on that one. All right. Samoa Joe, who is your, your, uh, WWE United States champion. It's this, the, the belt is on the line champion Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio, the living legend. Wow. Definitely Rey Mysterio, but that's just, as you said before, I have no knowledge of wrestling, but that's a name that jumps out to me. That's somebody yeah. I recognize. Well, you probably recognize him from those Roots of Fight shirts that are worn yeah, all around the, around, <laughs> around the ringer office. Um, yeah, I think that, um, wow, this is a tough one. I think I'm going to go with Rey Mysterio too. I think that Samoa Joe is going to st- stay in the hunt and stay in the title picture, but, but yeah, it would be fun to see Rey Mysterio win. All right, let's see, what are we going to do next? 
The Miz versus Shane, The Miz, who you might know from the reality show Miz and Mrs., versus Shane McMahon, son of Vince McMahon, the 40-something Simba, you know, they call him Simba, the, the, young, the young heir to the WWE throne in a steel cage match. Miz and Shane. I feel like Shane, but I mean, I have nothing to base that off of. It just, it's a gut reaction. Yeah, I think Shane McMahon. I'm going to go with The Miz, but I appreciate, I appreciate your, I think, I mean, Shane has a shot. We're yeah, steel, I mean, we're in a steel cage, anything could happen. Shane yeah. could have a bunch of cronies come in. Like, there's, there's a lot of stuff. In a steel cage, anything goes. Yeah, no rules. Let's go with Roman Reigns, who recently came back from a cancer diagnosis. Yeah, I've heard that now back, at, back in full effect, versus Elias, who plays a guitar. Uh, I'm going to go with Roman Reigns because it's a feel-good story coming back from cancer. Um, yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Roman Reigns better, better win this match. Shenanigans are always a possibility, but I, I'm going to go with Roman Reigns. All right. Um, all right, now we have the Money in the Bank matches. <clears throat> Just to briefly tell you, there is a giant. there are ladders. Well, at the end of the match, there'll be a big ladder in the middle of the ring, although it doesn't start there. There are many ladders spread throughout the ringside area, and they hit each other with ladders, jump off of ladders onto each other, knock ladders <laughs> over with people on them. But the goal is to climb up a giant ladder, and to, there's a briefcase hanging above the ring, and you, you have to grab the briefcase, unhook it. When you have it in your hands, you've won the match, and... The possess the ownership of that briefcase gives you a a heavyweight, you know, a, a WWE championship opportunity at any moment that you want over the next year. Wow! So you have to come to the ring and and present it to the referee and say I'm cashing this in. And if the champion is lying knocked out in the middle of the ring, it's fine. You just get on top of him and you three count and you win the title. Okay. So there's a women's match that has Natalia. And we, as we discussed with Peter, Alexa Bliss has been ruled out of this match, so we don't know all the competitors. We, we're right. missing one competitor, but we have Natalia, mm. Dana Brooke, Naomi, Bailey, Mandy Rose, Ember Moon, and Carmella. I'm going to stick with Mandy Rose. Uh, that's what Peter said, and I trust his opinion. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, that's good. I'm going to go. Oof, what did I did I did I have a formal pick when I we talked about it before? I just forget immediately. I'm going to go with Bailey on this one. Forget what I what if I said something different before. We're going with Bailey. Um, all right, in the men's side, it's Sami Zayn, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, Ali, Finn Balor, Andrade, and Randy Orton. I think I'm going to stick with Baron Corbin, just sticking with whatever Peter said. You know, I'm just going to follow his. Uh, he he was up there. He he was like a two B on Peter's list, but I think oh. that that's that's it. That's a good that, that's a, that's a good pick. I yeah, think he's Baron a, Corbin, a sleeper pick. You know. He yeah, might come out. He's uh he he wrestles in a uh black button down shirt and slacks, um, which a lot of people take issue That's with. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. He looks sort of like a waiter at like Ruby Tuesdays or wow, something. I love it's that. A, um it's a it's a very it's a very interesting presentation. Um and he's he's very hateable. I'm going to go with whew, this is a tough one. I think Andrade would be cool, but I'm kind of feel I feel like Sami Zayn has the momentum. I know Rosenberg said that Sami Zayn has this momentum because he just won his way into the match, and the fact that they did that must be meaningful. Yeah, I'm going to go with Sami Zayn. I'm going to go with Sami Zayn. I mean, I'm really if 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 I'm sure everybody listening to this saw SmackDown on Tuesday night, but if you didn't. Uh, go back and just watch it, or at least watch the highlight where Ali jumped off the top rope to do like a, a, a 360 splash or something, landed on his feet, because uh, who was it? Was it Dana? Who moved out of the way? 
Andrade or somebody moved out of the way, and then he was immediately caught into the Randy Orton's RKO. It, it's, it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Randy Orton is an artist, and Ali is uh, quite a muse for him. I'm, I expect to see some nice RKOing in this match, too. All right. Your big four matches of the night. Uh, number one, Becky Lynch, or number one and number two, Becky Lynch will be fighting Lacey Evans for the Raw belt and Charlotte for the SmackDown belt. Two separate matches. Becky Lynch holds two belts and is bravely defending both of them on the same night. So do you think she will win against Lacey Evans? And do you think she will win against Charlotte Flair? Uh, Two matches. I mean, does fatigue matter in WWE? I mean... Yes, it definitely does. Definitely does. One, because it's real and you're actually doing an athletic Mm -hmm. thing. But two, because that's the story they're going to tell. If, if they go through with both of the matches as planned, you know, and there's not you, there's a world in which like she's fighting Lacey Evans, and she and then Charlotte comes down and like hits her with a chair, and so she can barely wrestle in her match against Charlotte. You know, there's one, mm-hmm. there's that, there's that kind of storytelling thing. But if they do them straight, then yeah, whatever her second match is, the story will be she's exhausted. You I know, see. She, so so yeah, it it does matter. We okay. don't know what we don't know what order they're going to go in though. So it's that that's a little bit out the window. What was her name? Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch is your Raw champion and your SmackDown champion. Yes. All right, I'm going to go with her just because it seems unlikely that she can come in a second match and win. But if we're going off of creating a compelling story, having her be exhausted or hurt and somehow pulling it out would be uh, really interesting. So that's who I want to win. Both matches. Yes, both matches. Yeah, I think that's smart. I think that there's. I think that that, that could definitely happen. I think that there's always a chance that they're just going to yank that Charlotte will will win her match by some, and she'll go second and, and win a hard fought match, and just to put the women's title back on SmackDown. Mm. Um, but I'm not sure if they'll pull the trigger on that right now. I'm going to pick Becky wins versus Lacey Evans, and Becky wins loses to Charlotte Flair. Although I really want to say she wins both. What if they? What if I have it totally wrong? What if she? Lose, what if she loses both of her belts and we have like a month of her trying to get them back? That could be really interesting. Like she's fighting both people and then, then we have a whole other like six-month storyline of her trying to reclaim both of her belts. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Huh. Because no one's expecting her to lose both. Man, that would, be, that, would be, that would be the real wild card. The real interesting move for WWE to do. Hmm. And man, fans would go nuts if she lost both of her belts, especially to Lacey Evans. All right, I'm making that my official pick. She loses both her belts, but it's going to be a good thing. It's going to be part of a big story. Mm-hmm. It's going to be awesome. Big redemption right. arc, yeah. Redemption arc. All right, now we have uh, the w- Sorry, the, the WWE Championship match. Champion Kofi Kingston defending against Kevin Owens. Who you got? Kofi Kingston versus Kevin Owens. Um, Knowing literally nothing about either of them, I'm going to go with Kevin simply because that's close enough to my name. Um, So my brain <laughs> naturally just latches onto it. Okay, I think that's a good pick. I mean, Sweet. based on name recognition, that's exact, <laughs> I think that's exactly yeah. what they want you to say. <laughs> Kofi Kingston is definitely winning this match. Um, or I think a very, of, of all the matches on this card, I think that's maybe the highest probability. And then last match, your WWE Universal Championship match. Champion Seth Rollins versus former SmackDown champion, or former WWE champion, AJ Styles. Um, the first time they've wrestled, interestingly, since they like wrestled in a high school gym somewhere like 15 years ago. Mm. Not that long. Long time ago. Uh, I'll pick AJ Styles just because going with the redemption arc again, um, it'd be cool to see somebody who's a former champion get back on top. I think Seth Rollins is going to win, but I think that there's an opportunity here. I think that there's a better chance that AJ wins than Kevin Owens wins. And, and uh, 
you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do because that because this is a, a feud that they should find a way to keep going for a while. All right, Evan. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, of course. I hope it didn't piss off any wrestling fans. Yeah, you made my lack of knowledge. You have, you have, you avoided all of the landmines that were set out for you. So I really, <laughs> I really appreciate your involvement. Yeah, and uh, your and your willingness to look like an idiot. That's sort of all it takes to be a professional wrestler. Just go out there and be willing to show ass, and and everything works out. Anyway, thank you, Evan. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Enjoy Money in the Bank, whether or not you're watching it live or on tape delay because of Game of Thrones. Um, I hope that it's a lot of fun. I hope that it makes I hope when I watch it, I wish I had been watching that one live and Game of Thrones on tape delay, but yeah, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see the the Game of Thrones that occurs in my living room when uh when when these two things are both on. Anyway, apologies as always to John Moxley. We'll see you back here next week, humanoids. Tony Schiavone here on the Mass Man Show. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Mass Man Show. 